Welcome to the Ultraviolet Tide podcast presented by The Ultraviolet. Join us every week for a healthy dose of skincare tips and tricks, lifestyle advice, mental health advocacy, and more all rolled into one weekly podcast. Without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Hi, and welcome back to this month's episode of The Skin Check. The Skin Check with Jen is a monthly segment hosted by me. Jen Schultz is an opportunity for other LUV ambassadors and skincare advocates to have a platform to share their story, offer advice, and show support for others. So today I'm really excited to have Stacy with me. Stacy is a TV director. She's a mom to two adorable cats, one I've gotten to talk to a little bit already today. And she's also a melanoma advocate. So Stacy and I first connected through another LUV ambassador, Katie Ostrowski, who was on the skin check back in March. And then we recently discovered that we're actually both patient advocates with um, ACS CAN, which is the American Cancer Society Cancer Action Network. So Stacy's story is also a really powerful example of why advocating for ourselves is so important, um, especially with our care teams. And I can't wait for you to learn more about Stacy and hear about her important story. So Stacy, first, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us today. And then in your own words, can you tell us a little bit more about you before we dive into your background and your history of melanoma? So I am a melanoma advocate, and on top of that, I am a broadcast director. I work for a local TV station in Connecticut, and I have been directing for over 20 years. And a lot of people confuse that a bit with producing. So a producer is a person who writes the news. I'm the person that executes it, and I'm in the control room, and I'm in charge of all operations to get that news up on the air. On top of that, I have two um, two kitties uh, that I, I love dearly. Um, I'm an avid reader. I love book clubs. Um, when I'm not at work, I like to I'll work out or um, I love going to the beach. One of my main goals in life was to live near the beach, and I'm blessed to be doing that. So um, I think that was one of the coolest things to find out is just like we met through obviously having melanoma, but... I also have a little bit of a background in news just with more of a sports focus, but we also both have cats. We're both big readers. So it was just really fun to learn also that we have so much in common, which is one of the reasons we do the show is it's really fun to find, like we meet people through our melanoma diagnosis, but then it's fun to like find those connections and find people that we rate, relate to as actual people, which is amazing. Right. And so I want to dig a little bit further into your story and your story sort of starts with a freckle that wouldn't go away, but then also with a lupus diagnosis that just didn't really feel right to you. So can you share a little bit more about that and then really how that taught you the importance of advocating for yourself? Right. So my story goes back to when I was 16 and I started tanning for prom. And ever since then, I was tanning and tanning and tanning. And I, I became what you would consider tanorexic. And around the age of 30, I started noticing what older people would consider age spots. They were very large um, freckles on my face. And I had a series of them coming down my cheek on both sides. And I went to my dermatologist and I said, let's, like, let's laser these off. And so he said, no problem. And we got to one on my cheek 
And he said, this doesn't look right. You know, it's red. And I said, I know, I, I don't understand. It gets really red if I work out. Um, he said, let's, let's uh, take a biopsy of it. Sorry, take a biopsy of it. And um, it came back saying that it um, exhibited autoimmune type lesion, like a lesion, an autoimmune type lesion. And we kind of left it at that because I did have another autoimmune disease at the time and it made sense. So it, it kind of was like a discoid lupus type lesion, but it also didn't make sense at the same time because discoid lupus has symmetry to it. So if you had it on one side of your face, you would have it on the other. And I didn't have any of that and I didn't have it anywhere else on my body. And so I started doing my own research and found a rheumatologist and he kind of just agreed with it at the time. And so my dermatologist agreed to laser it off and within months it would come right back. And I'm like, this isn't right. And so I went back and he started treating me with topical, uh, topical creams for it. And it was never going away. And we kept doing the laser and the topical. And I'm like, we live in a world where modern medicine is, is, off the charts and, and you can't get rid of this thing on my face. There's something wrong. So I went to a specialist and he looked at it, didn't biopsy it, should have saw the red flag at the time. And he said, this is tumid lupus. And he says, it's like a lupus of like the fatty deposits on the body. So like your fatty cheek. Okay. Makes sense. Um, so he was doing steroid injections on it and the steroid injections would get rid of the redness, but because of the melanin, like going haywire in my skin, it just kept producing this large looking freckle, like age spot on my face that was not going away. And so went back to my dermatologist and lasered for the last time in 2019. And it immediately came back and I am like, I, I'm done. I'm done. I, I can't do this anymore. There's no reason for this to be on my face. And so I went to a brand new dermatology practice in Connecticut and she looked at it and she's like, okay, we're just going to biopsy it and we'll see. And she said, she said, I will call you in two weeks to let you know. And she called me in a day and I was on my way to work in one day. And I'm like, Ugh, one day. And she's like, I just want to let you know, we got the results and you have melanoma. And I'm driving, I'm on the phone in my car and I'm like, okay. And so that's when my journey began. Um, I went to work and it became an out of body experience from that point on. So, and then talk a little bit more about your treatment, because if you think back, like it started as just what you thought were age spots and just like the small freckle and it's obviously left a much larger impact, both physically and mentally and emotionally. Right. So I had my doctor in Connecticut sent me to Memorial Sloan Kettering in New York City. And they initially told me it was going to be a long wait. It's a, it's a, a very popular cancer hospital. So they sent my file over and she's like, it's going to be maybe six weeks. And she gave it to the doctor and he called me in a day and said, I'll get you in, in, in immediately. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is about my case, but I got in immediately. And so I went to New York 
And we did all of this. Um, I can't think of the name of it, but they used a scope on my skin to detect all of the cancer cells on my cheek. And from having all of the laser, you wouldn't know how much melanoma was on my skin because the laser um, got rid of the look of the melanoma, but the cells were there. So you can see all of the melanoma on my cheek on a cellular level. It was crazy. And so the, the lesion on my cheek was like my whole cheek. It's mind blowing to this day. So he did that. They did like a, like the scope and they mapped it all out. And then I went in to the dermatologist that I still have today. And he did six biopsies all around the markers. And we determined it was, or he determined it was melanoma in situ. So we scheduled surgery and he did a Y local excision surgery. And they, they, they call it a slow mose there because they don't really do mows on melanoma for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So he called it a slow mose. So first day went in, um, cut out the margins and then went home, had a gap day, called me back, said we need to meet the margins. We didn't meet them. Came, went back. And then the third day, this was like a whole week event. The third day I went in and had a plastic surgeon basically reconstruct or try to figure out how to close my face up because the hole was uh, enormous. And so we did that. And then I I recovered and recovery was way worse than they thought it would be. And I should have recovered much longer than I did. All right. And so then when was your last treatment for your initial melanoma or how long ago did you complete? I don't know how to answer that because it was only like the surgery and that was yeah, it. Yeah. So, um, okay. So how long ago was the surgery? Okay. So surgery was, I was diagnosed May of 2019. Surgery was June of 2019. I was stitched up, sent home, two month recovery. At least I wasn't able to turn my head for eight weeks plus. Then I started laser treatments with my current dermatologist to help ease the look of the scar on my face. Which I've seen the progression. I've seen photos from like right after and right now. And Mm -hmm. unless you were looking for it, I think a lot of people wouldn't necessarily be able to see it anymore, which is amazing. Yeah. I, I look at it every day, but everyone's like, it looks so great. And I'm like, thank you. I'm trying to embrace it, but... It, it, it is hard, especially like with scars on the face. So I have one that actually my hair kind of covers now and it's not melanoma related, but in high school, I had a scar on my face and I was always very self-conscious of it. So yes. anytime it's our own, um, especially with women and especially on the face, it's such a personal thing because it's, it's so visible and it just changes our perception of how we feel about ourselves. Right, right. So it's been a about four years um, since you had the surgery. And then it was just this July that you decided to join ACS CAN and actually your training starts in just a few weeks here. But how did you hear about ACS CAN? And then what led you to want to get involved more with advocacy work? 
In the last five years, I have lost, or my best friend lost her daughter, four years old, to leukemia. I just lost my stepmom to breast cancer, and I had my own melanoma journey, so cancer is pretty prevalent in my life. And I met so many people through Instagram, and there is such a, I feel like a little tribe of us, and I've learned about so many people and so many organizations. And sitting down one day, I said, there's not a presence in Connecticut. There really isn't. And so I started Googling um, societies or foundations and I Googled the American Cancer Society, which is a huge one. And I realized that they have like an offshoot of their foundation, which is American Cancer Society Cancer Action Network. And I looked into it and I said, oh, this is great. It's There's a, a Connecticut um, branch and let me um, see if I could start volunteering for them. And so I reached out and I start training in two weeks for them. And I'm very excited. Yeah, I have been a part of ACS Can for a little bit over like about a year and a half, a little bit over a year. And one of the cool things that I found is um, you get to get really hands-on with the advocacy and you um, get to meet with like your state lawmakers, um, actually go and have meetings with them, go to the state capitol. And then the things that you're doing are very personal to cancer and really helping to move um, make cancer more accessible for people and then also more equitable as well. But it's really helping to change, make the cancer experience better. I mean, cancer is hard enough. We don't need healthcare to make it even more difficult, Um, but then hopefully also providing better outcomes for it too. And I know one of the things that you're really passionate about wanting to get involved in, especially with ACS can is um, with legislation around tanning. Can you expand on that a little bit and why that's so important and personal to you? It's so important to me because tanning was, I don't want to say downfall, but that's lack for a better term, but that is how I ended up with my melanoma diagnosis. I started at 16 and at 16, you're a child and I had fair skin, no freckles and Now I'm fair skin with tons of freckles and sun damage. And I mean, I had freckles in my family. I'm English, but the sun damage that I see on my face today and my body is exorbitant. And so in Connecticut, it was passed that you are not allowed to tan under the age of 18 without parental consent. But I would like to carry that on even further to, I would love to completely eradicate tanning. It's just, it's not a safe practice. It's garbage. It shouldn't even be allowed. I I mean, we have, we have laws for drinking and smoking. There, there should be laws on tanning. Your skin is your largest organ and we don't take care of it enough. I can ask anyone on the street, are you wearing sunscreen? And most people are going to say no. So many people just don't embrace their skin enough. And so uh, one of my goals is to get in there and maybe push for either a higher age or to just, 
yeah, completely eradicate. It would be an ultimate goal of mine. It's just, it's a wasted practice and uh, preying on young children in, in, in America, we are obsessed with being tan. And I had a conversation with family members the other day because a funny story, we were watching the golden bachelor (laughs) and all the women, (laughs) all of the women have such terrible sun damage, Mm -hmm. but that's their generation. They all just laid out in the sun. And I feel like growing up in the eighties, um, we're, we're, I'm like the last of that generation. The kids now are really being sun safe and they have so many products and sunscreen and all this stuff that's out there for them. We didn't have any of that. And so you're going to see this gap of like people who are so sun damaged. And all of a sudden these, these young kids are going to grow up and be old and they're going to look like they're 20 when they're 80 because (laughs) they're not laying in the sun and they're, they're wearing their, uh, uh, sunscreen and they're wearing their hats and stuff like that. So it's just like, I feel like this is a phase and we need to just really fully phase out this tanning lifestyle. Yeah. I think even removing the parental consent for those under 18 would be like a really important, just small next step. But because a lot of parents are willing to sign off on their teenager going and going tanning. I know my mom did when I was a kid. And a lot of times it's because they don't know better. If they really understood what it would do, I don't think they would sign off on it. But also if they did know, then their like child probably wouldn't be interested in tanning anyways, because they would understand the risks and their parent would have developed a lot of those sun safety practices with them already. But that would be such an important next step. And I don't know about you but January is so stressful for me because all the like gym memberships and stuff they start advertising like oh it comes with unlimited tanning and I'm like why is this a selling point it really it drives me insane that I belong to a gym that has a tanning booth I won't say the gym but it's the gym it's a cheap gym so I belong but I really hate that practice I also think children up until like in your mid thirties, you don't have the brain capacity to say, I know tanning is bad for me because when I was young, I didn't care. I said, you know what, if I get skin cancer, I don't care. And here I am, I got skin cancer. And I went into it knowing that I, I, you know, I was invincible. You, you don't have the mindset when you're young mm-hmm. to make these decisions. And then you deal with the consequences 20, 30 years later. Yeah. And it's really a two piece thing there, right? Like when you're a teenager, you know, we've all heard like tanning beds can cause skin cancer, laying out in the sun can cause skin cancer, sunburns can cause skin cancer. But when you're in your like mid to late teens, even into your 20s, you never think it's going to happen to you. I used to say like, I'm the poster child for skin cancer. I mean, I have fair skin, blonde hair, blue eyes. And I would joke about it. And here I am five skin cancers, four melanomas later. But I think the other piece of it too is we also think even if we do get it, there's so many like misconceptions about what skin cancer is and that it's not something serious. And I know the melanoma community is really outspoken and trying to educate people on that and change the mindset. But I still think it's hard to truly understand until you've been through it yourself or watch somebody you love and care about go through it too. Right. It's been fulfilling going on this advocacy journey because I've had many people um, 
direct message me saying, thank you for advocating. Because I feel like sometimes I'm just blowing up people's feeds with my advocating. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, well, I guess if you don't want to follow me, don't follow me. But I've had many people reach out to me and say, thank you. You know, you've like um, made me want to go get a skin check. And uh, or someone's reached out to me and said, hey, you know, I've had this bowl. You know, should I get it checked? Absolutely. If you question anything, get it checked. There, what are you going to lose? Nothing. Isn't that the best feeling though, when you have that person reach out to you and they're like, oh, because of you, I got a skin check or because of you, like I went and had my mole looked at and like it was atypical, but we caught it early or like, I mean, even God forbid it is melanoma, like but we caught it early. And so, you know, they're able to treat it and they're like taking better care of their skin and stuff now. It's truly one of the best compliments you can get as a skin cancer advocate. Yes. Yes. So along those lines, then, what advice would you give to somebody who is newly diagnosed with melanoma? Newly diagnosed. Uh, take a deep breath. Uh, don't go to work like I did. Uh, take that day off and kind of process it. Because like I said, it, it's been an out-of-body experience for me because I didn't take the time to process it. I kind of just kept going. And it still to this day felt like it never really happened to me, even though I have the scar on my face to prove that it did happen to me. Um, and then connect with family and people closest to you. You know, I've learned in this experience that people are going to gravitate toward you or people are going to run from you. And the people that gravitate toward you hold on to them because they're the people that are going to get you through this. And try not to spiral on the internet as well as I know it's very hard not to do it. We've all done it. Um, I made the mistake of doing that and my surgery was as bad as it was. And I, I hate to say that, but it, just everyone's journey is different. Just go in knowing that. Um, and also it was 11 years before I was finally diagnosed. And I had that lesion on my face for 11 years and it was only inside too. So I thank God every day that I'm still here and it wasn't worse and it didn't penetrate deeper into the layers of my skin. Always advocate for yourself if you aren't comfortable. I knew something wasn't right. So I, I just kept trying different doctors until I finally got the proper diagnosis and took action. And it can be very intimidating, especially when you're new to it, to we think our doctors are the experts, right? And that they, they're they supposed to know everything. And so we don't want to challenge and it feels uncomfortable to question them or stand up for ourselves. But nobody knows our body better than we do. So I think that is a really important piece also to highlight and stress the importance of. Absolutely. I feel um, if you really take the time to become intuitive with your body, you will hear that inner voice talking to you. And there truly is a gut sensation that says something is not right. Focus on that and you will make all the correct decisions in your life. Mm -hmm. And it never hurts to get a second opinion, even a third opinion, even if it ends up being exactly what they said from the beginning, knowledge is power. And so the more information you have, I mean, if nothing else, it helps you, it can give you peace of mind that you're making the right decision or the right treatment, but maybe you also get more information, um, more options, but there's right. 
there's no reason to ever hesitate getting a second. Right. Don't ever feel like you're offending your doctor. I'm a person that shoots from the hip, so I don't have a problem speaking up. But I know many people do and many people are quiet and shy. But if you feel something is not right, please speak up. You're not going to offend them. They go through this all the time with second opinions or people questioning them. That's their job is to help navigate you if you want a second opinion. If, if they get mad, then they are definitely not the right doctor for you. They should be guiding you through whatever you need. 100% completely mm-hmm. agree. And also, the, I mean, this is our health that we're talking about. So it's not like disagreeing with like the barista at your coffee shop. Like, <laughs> your health is important. So definitely stand up for yourself if death, something yeah. doesn't feel right it probably isn't right and then I think I already know the answer to this one but I'm going to ask it anyway what is the biggest change you would like to see in regards to melanoma and skin cancer oh whether it's prevention detection uh eradicating tanning thousand percent um I think that there needs to be more education I think we've come a long way in the last 10 years, there are so much sun safe clothing, so many sunscreens, um, but learn it in school. Uh, we did a story a couple years ago where people were up in arms because the school wanted to have parents apply sunscreen to their children before they came to school. Now, remember when we were kids and we were playing out in the sun for however long recess was did we have sunscreen no why is that a big deal yeah put sunscreen on your child give your child sunscreen have them put it on before they go out to recess stuff like that needs to come into play here it's crazy to me that people are fighting over having to apply sunscreen to their child wouldn't it be amazing to have like sunscreen dispensers right at the school where the child sunscreen on as they head outside absolutely Absolutely. I, it's just, you have a water fountain. Why not have a sunscreen dispenser? It's crazy to me. We, we don't educate and it really needs to start at the bottom. I mean, there are, even my family members don't put sunscreen on their kids and I like cringe, but I can't say anything. They're not my children, but I can see the freckles starting and they're only eight and nine. And it's like, we need to educate Mm-hmm. And it does make a difference because if you started at such a young age, they just, they don't know any better and they're just taught that it's normal. My niece is three years old and I have a video of her actually from, she's like a year and a half to two years old. I can't remember exactly, but they would put sunscreen on her every time before they would go for a walk or go outside or go out to play. And so there's a video where the sunscreen tube was just laying on the table and she like picked it up and she couldn't open it at that point but so she like picked it up and was acting out the process of like putting sunscreen on and we're like oh good job don't forget your face and it's the cutest thing but it's also just like the best example of if we teach them young they're going to do it and she was just like oh I'm gonna pretend that I'm putting my sunscreen on and you know obviously as an aunt who's been through melanoma four times like I could not have been more proud. It was so cool. It was one of my favorite yeah. videos. <laughs> I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like we're just beginning to scratch the surface of, you know, a, a new normal. And I think, so. I think we're on the edge where we're really going to start to see some change. And I'm really excited. Yeah, absolutely. Stacey, thank you so much for um, taking the time coming on and sharing your story. 
it's such an important one from the tanning to the advocating for yourself and all of that. So for anyone who is listening, um, where can they find you? You could find me on Facebook, uh, Stacy Mann, M-A-N-N, and you can find me on Instagram at the real R-E-E-L. It is a pun, Stacy. The real <laughs> Stacy. <laughs> And then we will have um, both of those linked in the show notes as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Ultraviolet Tide podcast, a weekly podcast that delivers a healthy dose of skincare tips and tricks, lifestyle advice, mental health advocacy, and more, all rolled into one weekly podcast. You can find us at lowultraviolet.com and wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll see you next week on the Ultraviolet Tide.